Welcome to this week's The Line Podcast with Matt Gurney and Jen Gerson. It is January 26, 2024. God help us. This week, we are talking about Danielle Smith and Tucker Carlson in Alberta. Everyone's being stupid. The comparisons to conservative leader Pierre Polyev and Donald Trump have begun. Will they work? Lastly, we're going to chat a little bit about the Emergencies Act and particularly the ruling against it that came down this week. All that and more on the latest episode of The Line Podcast. I like that we're now enumerating the dates when we start our podcast because it will be useful to future historians to track the decline right into the abyss. Um, so we we got kind of a plate full today. We've actually already spoken briefly. We dropped a bunch of uh, items off the list of things to talk about. We're not going to talk about the Hockey Canada stuff. We're going to wait to see what happens. And the International Criminal Court, uh, a court of justice uh, finding just came down that Israel needs to be nice, but that it can continue the war. So, oh, okay, great. That's that's useful. But let's let's keep it locked in on domestic stuff. If we have time, I do also want to talk about Calgary becoming a dystopian hellscape in which you can't have drive-through paper bags anymore. But that's or a whole other issue. Apparently. Or electricity. Yeah, anyway. Canada so, is going to be great. Let's first talk about uh, the fact that Tucker Carlson and... Let's start with Tucker. Let's start with Tucker. All right, Tucker Carlson. Do we need to explain who Tucker Carl Tucker Carlson uh, is? You know, purely as an aside, and I know we're a little time limited today, so I'll keep it a brief aside. You know that I have basically pulled out of Twitter. I mm -hmm. go on once a day. I check for DMs, and if I have published a column, I will tweet a link to it. Mm -hmm. And uh, anything the line is published that day that has not yet been tweeted, I will tweet. That's the extent of my Twitter presence. And one of the things I'm finding is I don't think I'm worse informed but I'm slower informed mm. because like I'm finding stuff out in the evening when I read in bed or in the morning when I wake up and read. And then throughout the day, I might glance at a new site here or there. So it took me until Friday morning to uh, amid the coverage of it, I'd read to see that Tucker Carlson made a gay joke about the prime minister where he said something mm. about, Hey, I know in Canada, everyone's uh, supposed to come out of the closet unless you're the prime minister. And then some people in the audience uh, laughed. And the only reason I even saw that was because I went on Twitter this morning to check my DMs, my direct messages. And I saw a lot of outrage from this um, from a lot of people, but particularly from partisan liberals complaining about um, that. And I want to say, and this doesn't happen often, I'm with the partisan liberals on this one. That was disgusting. It's gross. It doesn't tell me anything about Tucker I didn't know already. But what the like? What the fuck? Gay jokes? Like Grow this, up. This is Grow up. Me okay. Off. Can I just be honest with you? As someone who's in Alberta, I find every aspect of this stupid. Well, I, I'm like, gonna, yeah. It's, it's I'm all like, stupid. Like Tucker Tucker Carlson is one of those people who occasionally will have a fair point or a fair perspective, but has devolved so sure, anybody does. so yeah, but has devolved so completely into weird conspiracy theory rambled stuff that you know I don't fine he wants to give a talk in alberta or he's invited to give a talk Alberta. i have no problem with that i'm not saying yeah. the government should keep him out or anything like that i'm not because i'm you know that would be crazy and dystopian but at the same time oh, I'm it's not already been show proposed. i'm sure you've noticed oh, oh, oh yeah no no we're gonna get into the stupidity of that don't just okay. give me a minute here give me a minute but like you know fine give a give a speech give a thing do a panel discussion you know he did it with i think with jordan peterson who of course yeah. is probably one of the most radically popular uh, academics in the world right now, whether you like him or not, and Conrad Back, well, Back, of course, former um, founder of the the National Post, and still All a communist on occasion. There you yeah. go. So, like, th th this is still within the realm of mainstream Overton window, although it's sort of ticking into the to 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 the the right category here but i mean it's it's all it's all stuff that people should be able to discuss in a free society fine whatever but tucker carlson is not someone who i personally am gonna line up to go see like i don't i don't think he's the most impressive figure and i think that he's he's gotten into some particularly dark rabbit holes and conspiracy theories and great replacement theory that i just kind of ick me out so to that end would I be inviting Tucker Carlson to speak? If I were the premier of Alberta, would I be like all starstruck next to Tucker Carlson and getting my picture taken? No, I probably wouldn't be because like, yeah, like if you're a mainstream conservative Canadian politician, 
I think Tucker Carlson is probably a little outside your 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 median voter theory window. Like, I think that there's some I, I got some questions about that, but I don't like I'm not also not going to get on Twitter and condemn anybody for attending his his yeah. uh, um, lecture. I'm not going to like sit around and harangue Daniel Smith for getting into a picture with him. Like, yeah, he's a slightly dodgy kind of right figure who's dipped his toes into the conspiracy world. I, I don't think he's great, but I also don't think he's so radically mean. Like, I don't think he's Alex Jones either. You know what I mean? So everything about that is stupid. I, I think the fact that everybody made a big fuss of the fact that he came here in the first place was stupid. I think who that the, the event. Pardon? Who, who hosted the event? I can't remember. I'd have to find that out. I don't you know, know that you talk, I'll Google. You, yeah, I think, go for it. yeah, exactly. Who hosted the event is a good question. I also think that bluntly, there's a, there's a bit of a disingenuous effort to extra problematize Tucker Carlson for the left's own prestige, own partisan ends. Largely, you see this coming from partisan liberals and things like that. Like they're trying to problematize him and make him seem much, 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 much worse and build him up because that appeals to their own base and their own interests. Whereas the people who are interested in Tucker Carlson, again, they're in their own base and their own interests. Like the center doesn't care about any of this. Like the, most people I think are outside these extremes and they don't give a shit about Tucker Carlson one way or the other in a place yeah. like Alberta. So that's all stupid. But then what was more stupid, somehow the liberals managed to up the stupid because their response to Tucker Carlson was so disingenuous and over the top that it was like high school uh, musical theater class, bad acting crap. Like you had uh, Guibault and Boussineau basically say like um, this this guy, oh, I, I should just pull up the quote here. Just maybe put a pause on this for a second. I'll just pull up the actual quote from the liberals. Well, yeah, I mean... What we're talking about overall, and I, I I'm gonna mostly defer to you because you're in you're in Calgary. You have the better read on this stuff. Um, oh, oh, okay. No, here it is. So here's this. So Tucker, okay. so Daniel Smith says to Tucker Carlson, "quote I wish you would put Stephen Guilbeault in his uh in in your crosshairs." "quote He's an environmental zealot. He yeah. happens to be our environmental minister federally. He believes he has the expertise and knowledge to tell us in Alberta how to run our power grid." Smith added, and of course, of course. The liberals and Guibault goes off the goddamn rail talking about how this is an example of like violence in politics and you're inciting violence against politicians and blah, blah, blah. That's insane. <laughs> That's obviously insane. She's obviously not telling Tucker Carlson, a goddamn journalist with a platform to put Guibault in his quote unquote crosshairs because she wants or is encouraging anyone to shoot him. She's not, she's encouraging him to go after him on his show. Obviously, we don't need to play disingenuous word games about this. That's so stupid. And however stupid I think it, 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 doing this kind of a panel with, with Tucker Carlson was in the first place, it's more than amplified by the liberals radical over response. So here we got another one. Um, Randy Bosano, a liberal MP, um, says something to the effect of, but you do not summon the dogs of MAGA conservatism to try and scare us and try to incite violence against politicians of any stripe. I mean, that's insane. Y you have to be living in a liberal bubble so thick from the actual world to make a statement like that and not actually crack out laughing at yourself and how ridiculous you sound to normal people. You know, um, so Boson had also accused Carlson of, quote unquote, spewing hate speech against about LGBTQ people. I mean, again, it's Carlson a made it made, joke, it, but made it's a gross joke, but it's not hate speech. Come the hell on. Now, is this where the liberals then started going off about how he should, shouldn't be allowed to come into Canada? Uh, I was just looking at random. Oh, random Twitter, Twitter stuff. Okay. Yeah, like, I don't know of anyone in official capacity. Okay, you know thank this you. All reminds let's, me let's, of? let's 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 hope that doesn't go there because if we're actually getting to the point where we're seriously considering keeping someone like Tucker Carlson out of Canada, we're in dystopian hellscape space now. Like, f off with this. Anyway, everything about this is annoying and stupid, and I'm perturbed by all of it. I'm annoyed. Did we figure out who hosted the event? Nah, it, uh, Brett Wilson seems to have been part of it and somehow like i'm just scrolling at it. i'm looking at the the tickets now but because the event's over it doesn't give me any info um look i mean this is i'll find out who hosted it for the, yeah we'll put the it in the written dispatch, dispatch. We'll, um, we'll figure it out i mean i do think that there was it was interesting that that the premier of alberta participated in it in a panel like it's just i 
look, is that a call I would have made? If I was advising Daniel Smith, would I have advised that? I probably wouldn't have. Because oh, I but think Daniel that, Smith's advisors would advise it. Well, clearly, right? I was. I would be like, you know what? I think this guy is probably going to take you out of the mainstream a little bit. And I, I just wouldn't necessarily, by all means, meet, by all means, attend the event. But that's maybe not someone who you want to be connecting yourself with that closely. So, like, I'm all there. A couple of but, points I want to make in response to what you said. First of all, on the, um, I'm trying to remember when the hell I wrote this. I don't remember if it was Twitter or if it was a column I wrote. But I remember years ago, um, David Aiken was talking, it was at a press conference. David Aiken uh, covers federal politics for Global News. And there was a press conference he was at. And he asked Christian Freeland a question. And the question mm -hmm. was something about legislative hardball. And Aiken is like, but how can you say this when you have a gun to the head of the opposition? Because there's so little time left. And she was like, well, David, I would never use such a militarist metaphor. Like something like that. And I at some point, and I don't remember where I did this, I just sort of scrolled through statements by Freeland and others that were 100% relying on such metaphors. Because many of them, such as put something in the crosshairs, have passed into common lexicon yes. and do not have inherently militaristic or violent meanings. And anyone who's going to clutch their pearls and grind them into dust is not someone I want to take seriously about. I, I just, I just, I can't take that. I can't believe for a moment that even Randy Bosino believed what he was saying when he offered, when he, like, I don't but believe this, for a moment that they believe that. Like This I, is loops us back a week though. Cause you know what this is all over again. This is the conservatives a week ago saying that anyone attacking Sabrina Mado was misogynist. Th this is tit for tat escalating stupidity. And I wrote wow. in my column that I wrote a week ago was that all the incentives are toward escalation. And when I say escalation, I don't mean elevating us to a higher plane. I mean escalating into stupid fucking shit. That's where this is all going. Ever more outrage manufactured on ever flimsier circumstances you i think have raised sound concerns politically speaking about tucker carlson being someone you wouldn't want your politi your politician if you're an advisor to associate with and i think it's I fair to criticize daniel smith for yeah. doing this like i think that that yeah. you can you can make a fair rational argument that maybe she shouldn't have done this yep. i don't know why the federal liberals stepped in on this at all yes like, you what, do Oh no! I, oh no! Of course I do, and, it, and it's stupid. It's stupid, base, riling bullshit. I get that, but just if if they were rational, mature people, they would have not responded to this because there was no need for them to. But they aren't, and and that's it. And this is why it's going to get worse. Yeah. Okay. It's all of so we have an election notionally sometime in the next eighteen to twenty-two months. God knows when it'll actually come, but that's it, it will be no later than about that, depending on the exact timing of even a late vote. We have to expect, and I am encouraging you emotionally to prepare yourselves, and I'm encouraging our viewers and our listeners emotionally to prepare themselves, that this is going to be peak stupid, at least for now. Because, I mean, every day may set a new peak level of stupidity. But a week ago, conservatives were saying that the liberals plucking quotes or tweets that Sabrina Mado, now a high-profile candidate for the Conservatives in, in the 905, or aspires to be. She has to win the nomination. They, the Liberals are piling on that. The Conservatives are going, ah, they hate women! Now we have a, a fairly... Daniel Smith using, put in the crosshairs. Obviously, that is originally a reference to a scope on a rifle. I get it, but it it's is... clearly a metaphor. It is a term that is now in common... Uh, lexiconical use and here we are where we're gonna add, yeah no this is peak stupid and is, it's not well, gonna get better and as a sub note as a sub note to peak stupid we saw something else today this was of course a, a durham candidate jamil Giovanni was responding to a speech that justin trudeau did in which yep. justin trudeau Referenced Jamil not by name, I don't believe, but just by saying as the well, would be candidate for as Durham the would be candidate for yeah. Durham, blah 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 blah, calling him a quote unquote two for because he was both an ideologue and an insider, and Jamil, Jamil basically clipped the quote 
twofer, ended it there and was just like, I don't know what he means by twofer, implying that essentially it was a racist dog whistle. Jamila's black. Yes, Jamila's yeah. black. Um, so anyway, firstly, I don't endorse what Jamil's done because I do think he's engaged in manipulative video editing here in order to make the, the, the prime minister look bad. He is engaged in manipulative video editing to make the prime minister look bad. 100% yes. Also, also, not but, but also, why in the hell is the prime minister referencing a candidate anyway, under any circumstances? If you're the, like, like especially if you know Jamil's history, and Jamil, by the way, is a guy, respect him, but dude loves a fight. Okay, mm -hmm. this dude has gone to war against like the Globe and Mail, against his former employers, against this, 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 almost all of them on race related issues. So if you were the prime minister, to reference him at all is risky and strategically dumb because this is a guy who will absolutely take every reference and every opportunity as a candidate to build his profile. And that's exactly what Jamil did. Jamil took the clip and he's now used it to, to create a fairly huge increase in his profile and considerable earned media. So Jamil's, Jamil, even though he's doing something manipulative, has absolutely won the politics. He's won the day. And what the hell has Trudeau gotten out of referencing him? Nothing. I, I, I don't, and, I, and you see the same thing with Sabrina Maddow, right? Like Sabrina Maddow, again, is just a candidate. Every time a senior liberal takes a pot shot at Sabrina Maddow and references a column or something she said or done, they are radically increasing Sabrina Maddow's profile and highlighting her as someone who they consider threatening to them. They're, they're increasing these candidate statures every time they do this. And it's so, I don't know, like it's strategically stupid and it's also profoundly undisciplined. And I don't understand why they're making these kinds of mistakes. Like these people, have these candidates haven't even been elected yet. They're just candidates. Like, why are you treating them? They're not even candidates. I mean, maybe, sorry, maybe, right. maybe not even, Gabani is, I don't know. But. No, but you're right. They're still working to be candidates in, in Sabrina's case. like, And the election might not be for 22 months. For, for 22 months. Like, what, you, you're you handing these potential candidates this, this extraordinary gift because you can't help yourselves. It's incredible to watch. What is happening? Okay, so first of all, I, I want to say once again, you've said a couple of times you don't understand. Yes, you do. Okay, but... You don't want to understand. I don't want to understand. That's a semantic difference, maybe a pedantic one, but I think it matters here. You are in the denial phase. <laughs> I have transitioned into acceptance. What is happening here is that we are going to have an incredibly stupid election fought over instead of substantive issues. And I'm sure there will be substantive issues discussed, but we're also going to have a whole metric fuck ton of manufactured social media outrage using manipulatively edited videos or deliberately uh, misinterpreted comments. And and it, both sides are doing this because, as I wrote in that column published a week ago, this is what the incentives favor. This is the sound strategy for both of them. Now, I think we should note that the prime minister has political problems in the sense of his polling. It's bad. We had um, one Liberal MP step out this week and have a, a, about approximately 24 hours of bravery and independent thought and in saying the prime minister should face a leadership review before somebody got to him and the 24 hours of thinking like an individual ended and he's back to singing the prime minister's praises. But I, I know for a fact that Mr. McDonald, the MP in question, he's not the only one thinking these thoughts. There are others. Yes. And if so, you listen to, the, to, to Trudeau's own interviews you'll understand perfectly well why he's not going to step down and i think we identified it in a dispatch a couple of weeks ago this is a man who's in, who's psychologically incapable of stepping down down in the face of a pending fight he couldn't in his heart live with himself at the prospect of not facing pierre polyev in open battle like this is this is pure toxic male psychology at play here that's that's it like it's that simple it's that atavistic he ain't going anywhere both sides have identified probably correctly, which is the hell of it, that maximum outrage over bullshit is their best bet at winning. And I think for the conservatives, they're aiming big. Ken Bosenkuhl wrote a column for us not long ago where he said for Pierre Polyev, he doesn't want to just win. He wants to win big. And a maximally angry electorate suits that. For the prime minister... He is fighting defensively. His 
I mean, look, his best case scenario would be riding some unexpected news events into maybe another minority or barring that holding the conservatives to a minority or barring that not losing the furniture along with the house. No, his best bet. And this is why the liberal caucus, I think, is utterly delusional, is that he's doing what we predicted they were going to do a couple of weeks ago, which is they're going to ride fear of Trump and the rise of Trump. Yep. And they're going to try and essentially emotionally graft that Canadian dis-ease um, with Trump, and they're going to try and put it on the conservatives and on, on Pierre Polyev. That's what they think their their path to victory is here. Yep. The next 22 months, they are going to hammer this idea that this Trump, as Trump is in the process of getting reelected, probably, right? Like as he gets reelected and gets closer and closer to, to a second term, they're going to ride this fear and then try to call the election probably soon after he is reelected with the hopes of scaring the bejesus out of Canadians and back into their senses and back into their safe, comfortable, complacent liberal senses. That's what, like, that's actually the strategy that we we drafted out for them a couple of weeks ago. And this week, and we're seeing it full. We've seen now multiple social media ads in which cabinet ministers commenting, cabinet ministers commenting, social media ads are now open, openly drawing Mm -hmm. the comparison between Pierre Polyev and Trump. So, Right now, that comparison looks completely ridiculous, and you think it's going to backfire. I'm going to play devil's advocate for a little bit, but I want you to talk about why yeah. you think it's going to backfire first. Um, well, yeah. So basically, I mean, you, you, I think your analysis is correct. I think we've seen the campaign start. Mm-hmm. Um, the conservatives want to run on an angry electorate, and the liberals want to run uh, on a, a frightened electorate. And they're mm-hmm. both going to whip up that as much as possible. Every incentive for them is towards escalating this shit, not settling it down. And the mm-hmm. parties are going to pursue their own best interests. So that's that's me in the acceptance stage of what the next year, year and a half of our political life is going to look like. Here's why I think the liberal strategy isn't going to work. And I have spoken with liberals and conservatives about this. This is not totally my own brain waving, but it's some of it. I, I had an independent thought, too. <laughs> The liberals are going to spend months trying to paint a metaphorical or imaginary red hat on Pierre Polyev. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have some help along the way because Pierre Polyev has some loose cannon MPs, step on up, Leslin Lewis, mm-hmm. who are going to be a quotable quote factory. And the liberals are going to exploit that. But I know that the conservatives know full well that south of the border, you're going to have an orange-faced, raving, in le- raving insane septuagenarian saying increasingly absurd shit. And the conservatives are going to roll out Pierre Polyev at the Economic Club, where he's going to give an understated comment on interest rates. Ogent 45-minute speeches about the nature of how we dissol- resolve the housing crisis. Now, occasionally, he might take a reporter's head off in full view of the public because, hey, who wouldn't? He clearly enjoys it, and we all need something. But the conservatives, the liberals want to draw a connection between Trump and Polyev, and the conservatives are going to reply to that by going, okay, here's our speech on housing construction. Here's our speech on how multiculturalism has enriched his family. Here's his speech about his his gay dad. And they're going to go out, and they're going to meet Every incendiary, over-the-top, pearl-clutching, hysterical liberal accusation with a boring clip where Pierre Polyev is going to explain how Justin Trudeau has fucked up your life. Yes. And how he's going to make it better. So that's one reason why I don't think the liberals are going to succeed on this. They're going to scare the shit out of their own base. And maybe they'll pry away some NDP votes to, to stop the scary man. But I, I, that's I don't 15, think it's going it's, it's 15% of the electorate. Yep. I don't think it's going to work. But the other issue is going to be there is every chance that almost exactly, I'm looking at the calendar now, almost exactly one year today, Donald fucking Trump could be president of the United States again. And we're going to have the prime minister of Canada basing his entire campaign around, look at that asshole. 
Smart, do, great. Do we see I'm sure, any possible I'm sure, drawbacks? I'm sure, I'm sure Donald Trump will be real forgiving about that. He's a he's a notable gentleman in this regard. Won't punish us as a country for that. One of the things that I have always given credit to Trudeau and his government for is a reasonably good strategy for handling Donald Trump the first time. I think they did a good job of that. They flattered him. They flattered his kids. They've targeted all of the people around him for flattery. They worked with congressional allies and state houses and governors. It was a smart way of handling this. And you want to know what's going to completely obviate any possible utility? Justin Trudeau running against Donald Trump. So, okay, sure. Let's see how this goes. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine, Matt. Um, so anyway, I just have two points I want to make and then we can move on. And one is, so uh, my most infamous column is the relaxed Doug Ford is fine column from McLean's. Uh, so this is just as when Doug Ford was first being elected. Uh, I I wrote a column that, I don't know, an editor put both the best and worst headline in Canadian history on the top of this column. It was an aggressive headline. It was a highly aggressive headline, and I think that it might have been a passive-aggressive shot at me, so there was a lot going on there. So on one hand, it was a headline that didn't really accurately reflect the column itself, which was different from what people thought it was. But at the same time, I have to respect the editor in question, while also telling him to go fuck himself. I have to respect the editor in question because it was probably one of the best clickbait headlines I've ever seen. It was brilliant. It was a brilliant headline. Um, and it was so good that like four and five years later, I still have people on Twitter being like, you're the relax, it's Doug Ford, it's fine, girl. You know, without realizing that I literally didn't write that or the headline. What the column was actually about was that you have to put Doug Ford's failings into a reasonable frame or he is going to surprise you with the content contrast by presenting Doug Ford as some kind of Trumpian demagogue who's going to destroy democracy what you are doing is you are setting up expectations that he isn't going to meet and he is going to look better by contrast. And Doug Ford, lo and behold, sorry, the left and the liberals and all these people tried to run on this idea that Doug Ford was Donald Trump. And they showed up with a cup of Tim's at a hockey rink and he won two majorities. Correct. So I would just say like, to some extent, the liberals don't learn this mistake. They they, they keep on, and, and people on the left don't learn this mistake. They're going to make this mistake again. Um, and then the second point that I would just make is the problem that the liberals have and the problem that they don't fundamentally understand they have, and I know they don't fundamentally understand this problem because they're relying on the cheap and cheerful comparison with Donald Trump strategy, is that the things that they are good at are fundamentally disconnected from the problems that people are actually having. They think that the answer here lies in, well, people still care about reconciliation and climate change and we're good on reconciliation. So, so what's the problem? And so they're, they're going, they're getting lost in circles in their own heads at heads and they're becoming psychologically just unmoored from reality because they don't seem to understand that in an era in which people are thinking about having to sell their homes in order to pay their grocery bills. No, they don't give a fuck about climate change or reconciliation. Climate change, reconciliation, gay rights, these are all sorts of, I'm not saying that these are bad rights or bad values to have. They're definitely not. What I'm going to say is that they are higher up on the Maslow's hierarchy of political needs. Yeah, they're, they good, the, they're good times values. Yeah, they're the sorts of things that you can fixate on and build your personal brand around when people can pay the bills. Yep. When people cannot afford to eat, they do not give a shit about your carbon tax. They don't give a shit about climate change. They don't give a shit about any of these issues. And the small number of people who do, who actually do think that the liberal branding, the liberal messaging is on par and in line with their values in this current moment is maybe 9% of the, the electorate, according to polls that I've, I've looked at. And that 9% is already I'm willing to bet, Not only that, I'm willing to bet that 9% is not worried about their mortgage rates going up. Mm-hmm. Those are the people who have paid off their mortgages, so they're older. Those are the people who are wealthy wealthy enough that they can afford an extra five to thousand to two thousand to three thousand increase on their monthly or mortgage rate and can eat that without necessarily suffering a dramatic dip in their quality of life. That's maybe nine percent of the population. Everybody else is pissed off and what they're seeing is that this is a government who kind of understand that they're pissed off and kind of understand that they're struggling 
but still the top line priorities that we're seeing out of the federal government are radically mismatched to the reality of their lives, right? It's plastic bags. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's Tucker Carlson is, is homophobic and hateful. It's, it's all of these things, right? It's not said, it's not to say that their values are, are wrong or bad. And if you poll Canadians, it's not to say that Canadians actually do care about these issues, but trust care me, about these, them later. they care about them later. Yep. And their failure to get that and to understand that at a deep level and to, to try to psychologically wish away that reality by saying, well, it's all just misinformation. It's all just hate. It's all just blah, blah, blah. It, don't like they're, they're, they're so pathologically incapable of understanding that they're not, it's not 2015 anymore. I, I, I they can't wrap their heads around it and they're not going to change. And that's why Donald Trump is the last strategy left for them. Because also bluntly, their wedge issues have been exhausted. Guns, abortion, all that, those issues. That's. Oh, they'll, they'll try gone. them again. Try them again, but they're not going to work because they've exhausted the headline. Um, yeah, I, I I agree with almost everywhere that. In fact, I think I do agree with everywhere that. I would add a few words, um, and you were tracking towards this at the end. On my radio show today, uh, Susan Delacourt was on from the Toronto Star, and mm -hmm. we were talking about that really interesting interview she had with Justin Trudeau last weekend. And I, I said to her, Susan, I feel terrible for you because you should have had what would have been the news story of the week. But then we had the federal court ruling, which we'll yeah. talk about in a minute with the ICJ. We had the Hockey Canada stuff. We had Tucker Carlson. And I think people should take a minute and go and read that interview that Justin Trudeau gave Susan Delacourt because it's yeah. incredibly revealing. And I've actually picked up on part of it and I'm working on a column about it. I'll have a draft ready for you to read shortly for next week. But one of the takeaways I came away from the from that interview, and it's Chris Selly in the National Post who uh, made this point already, or points similar to it, is that you're looking at how the liberals are rationalizing the situation they're in to themselves. Yes. And I understand it. And I think the liberals are making an all-too-human mistake. And the mistake that they're making is that you're coming up with the explanation for your woes that flatters you, mm -hmm. not necessarily the one that's true. Mm -hmm. And I think the liberals believe sincerely that they are a victim of a combination of bad luck and bad people, that they had a pandemic, they've had wars, they've had economic problems, they've had orange man bad south of the border, they've got mega hat Polyev north of the border, evil conservative disinfo machine and all of these things do offer up an explanation for why they're they're tanking and i think it's partially true but there's also a lot of stuff that the liberals have fucked up and are fucking up but they don't have to think about it because they've got all these other more convenient excuses because Almost everything in like Jen, almost everything in life is multi-causal. It is very rare for it to be like, you know why this happened? Because that happens sometimes, but it's not that common. And three thousand dollar vac free vacation in like a private family friended resort in Jamaica. No, it's Pierre Polyev. It's, it's you it's, can't. It's Putin. Like what? No, it's no, it's not that Jen. It's Donald Trump. People are selling their houses because they can't afford them with the rate hikes. Yeah, you know what? But like Twitter has a lot of disinfo. The liberals have built for themselves an accountability deflection emotional yes. shield. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this was why they can't pivot. Because if you can't take accountability, you can't pivot. Like, right. I actually do think there is a there's a path for them to figure this out and to get better and to realize that the values and priorities that they got elected on in 2015 is a beautiful vision of the world that didn't come to pass. And for them to get real hard and real real on issues. But when all we're getting from this government is like Justin Trudeau's Jamaican vacation and you know, again, these quotes are from, from these high up liberals who are still like, well, people still care about reconciliation and climate change. And those are issues we're strong on. Like they have got, they, they're, they're kind, it's not to say that the policy stuff isn't there. They're starting to work on housing. They're starting to work on some of these issues. Say, they get it on housing. They, 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 they're starting, no, they're starting to get it, 
But do you get the overwhelming impression that this is a government like they, they, and also, for example, they the they're starting to get it on the student visas. They they, they decided um, this week this week to cap student visas, which I think is actually smart politics that is reflective of just the economic realities that they're in, and also demonstrates that they are somewhat responsive, even though bluntly, I mean, this student visas is something we've been talking about since October of last year. So okay, they're starting to get it, but do you get the impression that this is a government? whose fundamental priorities is improving the quality of life for Canadians right now? Is that their top priority? Is that where their heads are actually at and their hearts are actually at? Yes, but they, think it's, what, but they think it's 2015. But they still think it's 2015. And also, I don't think that's actually what they give off. What, what, it's not that they're not doing some of this policy stuff. They are. But it sounds it always feels to me like they're engaging in some of this policy stuff like, oh, shit, I guess we have to address groceries. Okay. Like it's all it's all this reactionary response. It's not that they haven't shifted their understanding of the world that they're in um, at a deep enough level for that me to get the impression that their government gets it. And I don't think they changes. can. And I don't think that they can. I mean, the the carbon tax stuff we saw with Atlantic Canada was a perfect example of this stuff, right? Um, anyway, I don't want to belabor this point because we do have one more thing to talk about, and I've got to be out of here in fifteen minutes. Uh, and we all know that you and I can't, you know, adequately cover a topic in like 15 minutes. God help us. Like and subscribe. Uh, like and subscribe. Uh, the Emergencies Act, the ruling uh, came down in opposition to the um, Rouleau? Rouleau Commission. Yeah. The Rouleau Commission. Thank you. Public Order Emergency Commission Justice Paul Rouleau reluctantly endorsed the Emergencies Act being used. Justice Richard Mosley in the judicial review of the federal court cautiously rejected it. So I think this is really interesting. Firstly, you and I, I think we're always careful about the Emergencies Act in the sense that it didn't feel or sit right with us, but yeah. we also had to acknowledge that we had limited information. We had imperfect information yeah. and it was always possible that there was way more going on behind the scenes and that the people calling the shots understood more about what was than happening we than we did. And it's so still were, possible because we still, it, we never found out that stuff. Well, but that's the problem here. I have like what, two years later yet to see any evidence. You won't that, see it for another 73 years the way our That's fair. That's true. And even yeah. after a commission, even after a commission, they have yet yeah. to demonstrate any evidence that freezing bank accounts was proportional, adequate, or justified. Were any of those people actually charged with any kind of financial fraud or theft? Like, no, they weren't. There, there's, there's no evidence that the, that those particular powers were needed to deal with the situation in Ottawa. And I do agree that the situation in Ottawa did need to be dealt with. And I think that Josh DeHaas actually wrote a great op-ed for us today. If you haven't read it, read it, check it out. Yeah, it's online. Where, where he pointed out that actually one of the real kickers that that proved to be compelling for the judge in this particular case was that Alberta handled its blockade before the emergency act was ever called. And arguably, Alberta, by evidence, had the most dangerous blockade of anyone because in our that's case, in, that's where the weapons cache were found. Now, I understand that there are some interesting conspiracies going around about those weapons caches and the people arrested. I don't find those conspiracies compelling. I've looked into it, but moving on. The point being is that according to the record as it stands, there were actual weapons charges involved in the Alberta Coots blockade. People still are standing charge against them and actual weapons were found. And yet Alberta was able to manage and, dis and dismantle this blockade without calling even the Provincial Emergencies Act. This was an ordinary act of policing that managed to sort of com compel these people to give up their weapons or, or have their weapons seized and to, and to end the blockade. Um, now, did Ontario need to call the Emergencies Act to potentially uh, scramble the number of police officers that it did? And it scrambled lots of police officers, I believe, from across the nation. Well, apparently, no, it didn't. All that was needed was some leadership and some cooperation and some coordination. And this could have been handled lickety split. There was no there was no compelling logic for the use of this law. But I would say in one aspect of, the, of the invoking the law's defense, and I would say this, this is the one thing that I would say is that because when you invoke the Emergencies Act, you automatically compel a commission to be held in order to investigate why that was called within a year of that happening. Um, we actually received an absolutely unprecedented amount of information about how our federal government is running and operating or not running or not operating and how police officers in this country are cooperating or not cooperating. Yeah. The Rouleau Commission was- fell out. 
Yeah, exactly. That's that was the end for you. Um, no, the the Rouleau Commission was, I think, from any Canadian journalist perspective, a gold, gold mine. mine. Yeah. We never, we've never had Man something like heaven. it's literally never. We've never had a Canadian government of any stripe be this responsive and this open and this transparent on any issue than we, we had. We won't even the, call a COVID inquiry, and it killed fifty thousand of us. Well, exactly right. Like it, it Canada is. Um, frankly, utterly dystopian in its uh, uh, degree to which it's allergic to any kind of accountability and openness. Like it's, it's terrifying here. It's so much worse here. It's so much worse here than it is in the States. It's nuts. Um, And we could get into that and rant at some length about it, but the Rouleau commission was, was fantastic. And it was a rare exception for us. And it also provided us with a lot of insight about just how dysfunctional our government really is. Um, So I appreciate the fact that the emergencies act has the, calling of the commission is a mandatory part of that act. And I think if there was one argument for calling the Emergencies Act is that it forced a degree of disclosure and transparency that we wouldn't have received if the federal government had just been able to go in and crack heads and remove the protesters out. There, I think there are two arguments in favor of the Emergencies Act. And then in a minute, I'm going to make a broader comment. But the two arguments in favor of the Emergencies Act is the one you've already made, which is that there may be information that they had that we don't and won't for a long time, because as you say on an accountability, someone stamped a 75 year classification order on it and it's collecting mildew in a filing cabinet. Or it's a cabinet, it's cabinet privilege or attorney. And then in which case we'll probably never, we'll never get it. The other argument, and I hate this argument. I really hate it. And Justice Mosley engages with it a bit. And I agree it might be outside the the letter of the law, which is to say it is one thing to say that governments, police forces, political leadership had all the tools and resources necessary. But we have to balance that against the fact that nothing was happening. Coots had been cleared. Windsor had been cleared. That argues against the Emergencies Act. But in Ottawa... And this is something I wrote about when I was there. We had already settled into a weird psychological balance where the government had lost control of the streets. And I never saw and never did. And I even wrote a column where I talked off record and on background with police leaders, wrote up almost an operational plan and like handed it to the government and say, hey, guys, do this. But nothing was happening. You could make an argument that invoking the Emergencies Act was a kick in the ass and that it forced the system into moving. The problem, of course, is nothing in the Emergencies Act says can also be invoked when politicians politicians require an ass kick. Require an ass kick. Yeah. And then the other problem and the other counter to that argument is then how do you justify the frozen bank accounts? Because, I mean, that that actually damaged Canada's reputation globally and correctly. That is banana republic shit. It, to be able to freeze someone's bank account arbitrarily without being able to show evidence of wrongdoing or without a warrant, that's insano level shit. And again, yeah, okay, so we're working from imperfect knowledge. Will we ever have all of the information? No. But two years later, no information has come out that justifies freezing people's bank accounts. So, and, and as far as I can tell, the only argument for the the only power that the Emergencies Act really gave people that they didn't already have was the kick up the ass psychological aspect and the freezing of the bank accounts, which was unjustified. And possibly the use of some heavy equipment. Maybe the use of some heavy equipment. Great. Um, but maybe, even then only maybe, even in, then if you if you, you know, the Ontario could have could have invoked a local emergencies act and probably ought to have done, and this probably should never have been a federal issue. Anyway, also, the I tow mean, trucks. Yeah, I mean, I'll add to that, Jen. The tow truck thing was always weird to me because after you arrest all the people at the encampment and ring it with fencing and police officers and mounted units and stuff, and turn it into a police play area, you only need one fucking heavy tow truck, and then you drag them out one at a time. So the equipment issue has always struck me as odd. But let me tell you what my big concern is. Okay. Right now, we have two legal rulings onto the use of the Emergencies Act, mm-hmm. and the amount of actual daylight between them is vanishingly small, because Justice Mosley, who ruled against it, has gone out of his way to say, this may well be overturned on appeal. 
I don't have complete information. There might be stuff I didn't know. I originally thought it was justified and have only been gradually persuaded to change my mind. Mm -hmm. And that if I was a politician, I might have felt it was justified. It is a ruling against the government, but only barely. Mm -hmm. And then meanwhile, Justice Rouleau endorsed the use of the Emergencies Act. And I quote, reluctantly. Yeah. So we have a split legal decision where, in theory, the appropriate time and place to use the Emergencies Act lies between two learned gentlemen who are this far apart. (laughs) And if I'm the government today or if I'm a member of any future government, I don't know if I can use the fucking Emergencies Act. Or you certainly don't know if you can use it in this kind of a scenario. So what we need, and I wrote this for TVO earlier this week, I want this thing appealed as quickly as possible, not because I reject the ruling. I have no opinion on what the appeal will find, but we need to run this thing out to the the end of the legal review process so that we have a finding, and then we can look at that finding and decide what to do with it. We're not there yet. And then I think we're going to need to have to commit Justin Trudeau's eldest son to delivering a formal apology for the people who had their bank accounts frozen in 20 years. 80 years. Yeah, when, when he's premier. Or prime minister. Um, all right. That takes us to pretty close to when I've got out, but I do just want to rant about one thing really quickly. Proceed. So you you will not know about this, Matt, because you're in Toronto, but I'm in Calgary where we've recently passed a municipal bylaw to ban single use items. And you're like, well, whatever. There's lots of bans against single use items and plastic bags. No, no, no. It's banning now things like the paper bags that McDonald's, well, sorry, not a ban. It's I, I allow me to reiterate. It's an extra fee or a fine, a 15 cent fee, and you have to specifically ask for it to get a, the paper bag that will hold your McDonald's food. And this makes me so angry, I almost go blind in the face. Because firstly, how do you physically get your goddamn French fries? Ask, how do you actually yeah, you know Ooh. what they've done? Oh, 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 okay, 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 hand. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. No, 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 no. Take your line credit card. Get yourself, your husband, and the yep. kids an absolute McDonald's feast. Okay. Drive through, mm-hmm. refuse the bag, and video <laughs> you just with your hand up. I want you videoing yep. you at the window. Yep. Yep. getting all the food coming in uh-huh. we posted no on the bag. line youtube channel yep okay we'll do it we'll do it we'll do this um that is what we'll do no the idea is that you're going to bring a reusable bag to the drive-through hand it to the drive-through person yeah. let them put your stuff in the bag and then you take it back to the car and in the meantime there or what you can do is they, they'll hand you like a little plastic bucket where you can grab your items out individually one by one. And I would just like to say, there's a couple of points that I just want to make on this one. We're not even talking about plastic bags anymore, guys. We're talking about paper Paper bags, bags. biodegradable paper, goddamn bags. Secondly, you might as well just ban drive-throughs because that's really what you're getting at here. You're trying to, no, you're trying to punish the dirty pavos who you have bad habits like using drive-throughs, ew, because you're the elitist snob assholes whom everybody hates. Like you're saving the planet. You need to ask for more napkins at Wing Night, Laura told me. Apparently, like the local pub who has Wing Night, you get like your allotment of napkins. And now if you want more, you need to ask for more. Like it's just it's look it's not it's a minor thing I get it's a minor thing but it's not because it's about making people's shitty lives worse in tiny and imperceptible ways drip by drip and it's disproportionately going to make poor people's lives worse than rich people it's it's this stuff makes me crazy inside it makes me crazy Matt. do you, do you have dinner plans tonight. All right, we're going to McDonald's. This has McDonald's. to be videoed. Has to be videoed. Do your kids like McDonald's? They love McDonald's. Is your husband, your husband was traveling this week. Is he back He's yet? He's traveling. He's back tonight. Does he like McDonald's? Um, No, but he'll, he'll, he'll tolerate it. Do you like McDonald's? I like the French fries, but I really miss the French fries that were deep fried in beef tallow. I don't think that the, the, the vegetable oil ever, ever made up for it. The chicken sandwiches are edible. They're edible. Yep. 
You can't go Either wrong with a, with a chicken yep. sandwich. Okay. But, but go nuts. Get extras. Have a friend over. Yeah. Okay. We'll get I someone want, to I am to encouraging you as your business partner to spend corporate line money on an absolute feast at McDonald's. Or if you prefer, because <laughs> I don't, I don't want to limit your options here, another drive-through franchise more to your liking. I like Wendy's too. I like their chicken nuggets. Okay. Better. See, we're, see, focus on solutions, but you have to video it. Okay. Do you want to know what? I'm now so crazy about this shit. I'm looking up like Amazon plastic straws because you can't buy plastic straws here anymore. So I'm looking at how to get plastic straws bootleg to me just on fucking principle. principle. I know. Um, a couple weekends ago, I was, uh, as I, seemed to spend my entire life doing i was at a hockey tournament with my son we're at a hotel and they had a breakfast buffet free with the stay all the kids were eating like eating 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 and the parents were attempting to be responsible have you ever tried to cut your way through a belgian waffle with a wooden knife do not recommend and it just makes you angry inside and really like I said, this yeah, is but then you eat to... the waffle and then you're like, I know oh, it's actually, fine, but it's I mean, fine. but it's just like it's just like it's it's the teeny tiny little things and that that governments are doing to make our lives worse in Canada that actually eat away at social cohesion and the social fabric and collective sanity more than the big things. Yeah, but go try to explain this to the PMO, and they'll look it's... at you and they'll say, "Orange man, bad. PP it's... wear mega hat." Exactly, and that's the problem. That's the problem in the nutshell, man. Reminder, Jen, it's going to get worse. I know. I know. I know. Everything's everything's terrible. Everything uh, is on a trajectory towards Canada, escalation. Canada is on a, is in full-on dystopian hellscape space. Yeah, it's great. It's great. It's not just us, though. Everything's going to be fine. Like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. And on that note, I have to go. You have to go, too. Yep. But I love our I, I love our listeners and our readers and thank you. I also love our us. listeners, viewers, and readers. And They're so please, great. Please send us money because Jen's gonna go drop about a hundred bucks at Wendy's tonight. So I'll <laughs> help make up that difference. Thanks, Jen. Enjoy the feast. Bye.